interest in the West. And the chapter begins with um, Master as a young disciple asking his Guru, Swami Sri Yukteswar, have you ever met Babaji? And Swami Sri Yukteswar says, yes, on three occasions. And he begins to tell the story. The first story, which we've already been through, is their first meeting at the Kumbh Mela. And we got to the point where Babaji says to Sri Yukteswarji, in talking about the coming together of the East and West. And he says here, you, Swamiji, have a part to play in the coming harmonious exchange between Orient and Occident. Some years hence, I shall send you a disciple whom you can train for yoga dissemination in the West. The vibrations there of many spiritually seeking souls come flood-like to me. I perceive potential saints in America and Europe waiting to be awakened. So we talked about just this beautiful image that far off in America, in yeah. Europe, because we don't see it that way as often. We, we like to think that India is the custodians of all saints and, you know, there aren't too many else out there. <laughs> but Babaji begs to differ. Well, I think that's probably, if everybody, anybody would think about it, of course, they'd not come to that. But, you know, uh, the part that struck me on this is not it is that, but you stopped one sentence short. That's true. That, and I think for probably for a purpose, but that one sentence short just summed it up for me because I put myself in Master's shoes. He's sitting here listening to this story. And he gets to that point, and then all of a sudden he says, at this point in the story, Sri Yukteswar turned his gaze fully on mine. And you know what he says, of course. My son, he said, smiling in the moonlight, you are that the disciple that years ago Babaji promised to send me. And I just was thinking about that, imagining that scene. And... On the one hand, you probably think, well, Master probably knew this already. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, suspending that for a little bit, it, that would have been a very moving moment, that, that confirmation. And I, I just, it really touched me, that part. Yeah, and then Master goes on to say, I was happy to learn that Babaji had directed my steps to Sri Yukteswar, yet it was hard for me to visualize myself in the remote West away from my beloved guru and the simple hermitage piece. That's true. You, you wonder that uh, here he was. Now, of course, this is, the, this is the question that always comes up. He's speaking and writing this book as, he was the, as if he was the humble disciple seeking God. But we know that there was more to that story. But nevertheless, let's put ourselves in his position. And here he was. He was still a young man. And uh, a young man and at his guru's feet. And a hint is given to him here that his destiny is going to be very different than that. And he had to absorb that. Oh, my God, I've got, a, I've got this mission to do. Not just any mission, but a mission given to me by Babaji. What must he felt like at that time? I also feel, Jaya, that... He says, yeah, it's, I was happy to learn that Babaji had directed my steps to Sri Yukteswar. Yet, we see that the process to, for him to get to his guru was so, ah, should I, shouldn't I? When, you know, Sri Yukteswar has come to me, Master still decides, no, I think I'll go to the Himalayas instead. And that whole, everything is being directed by Babaji, yet... Somehow yeah. in there we get to play a little bit of our own. Well, now, now doesn't that make us introspect into our own lives? Yeah. <laughs> we think, we look, put ourselves, and we're, going, we're having this choice, that they might be doing the right thing. And, but yet, on, the, some, on some level, the divine hand is working in the devotee's life. And I think, to me at least, it gives me a certain faith and confidence that although I don't always know what I'm doing, I just pray, Babaji, this is your work, I hope. And I, I, I mean this sillyly, but I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> and, uh, but we find ourselves directed. So to, in retrospect, Master expresses that sentiment, I think, very nicely. Yeah, he does. Shall we continue? Sure, let's go. Babaji then spoke of the Bhagavad Gita. Sri Yukteswar went on. To my astonishment, 
he indicated by a few words of praise that he was aware of the fact that I had written interpretations on various Gita chapters. Mm -hmm. I wonder where those interpretations are. Have you read them? No, but I've, I've read of them. I've read of them, and apparently they do exist. And uh, they've been passed down, but they don't seem to be publicly, at least for you know, the casual person, to be available. But I have heard that they do exist, and uh, I wonder where they are. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that would be you know very, very interesting. And, but you would assume that he was carrying on this tradition that was given to him, of the Gita and the interpretation that he expounded probably upon Lahiri Mahasaya's interpretation. And we do know Lahiri Mahasaya had extensive interpretations, and so it was probably in that vein. And what has come to us from Master probably is a reflection of what Sri Yukteswar shared. At my request, Swamiji, please undertake another task, the great Master said. Will you not write a short book on the underlying basic unity between the Christian and Hindu scriptures? Show by parallel references that the inspired sons of gods have spoken, sons of God, have spoken the same truths, now obscured by men's sectarian differences. Maharaj, I said diffidently, what a command! Shall I be able to fulfill it? <laughs> and then Babaji laughs softly. <laughs> and he's, my son, why do you doubt? And anyway, he basically, what uh, Babaji was in total attunement with the divine will. So obviously, it was uh, a command, yes, but it was foretelling, of course, what Sri Yukteswar would do. And of course, we know now that that book came, that was the holy science. That was yeah. the holy science. Have you heard of the um, I don't know where we heard this, but it said that the first manuscript that uh, Swami Sri Yukteswar wrote, he wrote it in French. Ah, I had heard somebody say that, but you're the first person that since, I mean, somebody mentioned that to me and I asked me that question. I don't know. The, where I, did you hear that? I'm, I'm trying to remember, but somebody really, I mean, it was a detailed thing. He wrote it in French and he gave it at that time because Serampore was a Dutch colony in that moment. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And he gave it to a French soldier or somebody because he wanted him to take it to a Christian authority to see if they felt that what Sri Yukteswarji had written was, you know, in the right is, vein. Now, is that the manuscript that was lost? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we've, we've heard that story that, yes, he met some of his writings, and maybe it was not only the Gita, but there was, you know, he had written... Uh, a full, a full book on that, and it disappeared. Well, but interesting that he chose to write it in French. Well, that he did. Now, he was very well written, and he, he knew a number of languages. And I was interested, you know, you say it was French because it was a Dutch colony? That was... Uh, well, he, he I mean, obviously, it, would have he, been, it would have been Dutch if it was a Dutch He, he must have learned French, uh, had some influence, but he was very well written and well read. And he was interested in European scientific uh, discoveries, and so mm -hmm. interesting. It just, well, of course, it does harken back to the story of previous lives, of course. Yeah. You know, so, oh, that's true. So maybe that, uh, you know, there is a story, of course, that uh, he was uh, Lanfranc uh, in uh, back in the that would have been the 11th century, and uh, who was a very great philosophical influence on the. Uh, the bishops and the cardinals in the Catholic Church at that time and had a great influence uh, throughout Europe at that time and it was recognized as uh, a great scholar, well, perhaps one of the greatest scholars at that particular moment in history. So, yeah. It all ties together. <laughs> it ties together if you think of it, but actually I've never quite pieced that little piece in there, but of course it, it does have some, make some sense. You said over here that Babaji laughed softly and said, My son, why do you doubt? But then he goes on to say, Indeed, whose work is all this? And who is the doer of all actions? Whatever the Lord has made me say is bound to materialize as truth. Yes. Now, that's, that's a, uh, I think that's a very powerful statement. When one is in,
perfect attunement, what one says has to be. And Christ says, if I were to say, move that mountain, that mountain would move. Mm -hmm. Because it could not be otherwise, because he was, he was in perfect attunement. Now, he didn't say move the mountain, but <laughs> the example being the potential is whatever a perfectly attuned master says to be so, it must be so, because he's in total attunement with, uh, with reality. I love also how Babaji, the way he expresses it, whatever the Lord has made me say, there's no sense of whatever I have said. Right. You know, right. Because, because just before he says, whose work is this all? Who is the doer of all actions? Yeah. So yeah. he's perfectly expressing that. I'm not the doer even of these right. words yeah. that I have he, just he's, spoken. He's, he's not saying I'm doing this yeah. or, you know, who made it? Not me. You know, it's, it's, there's a power of which I'm, I'm being an instrument of as, uh, in this form. But what's lovely is that each of us could kind of do that as well, if to the best of our abilities, well, isn't it? Well, you, you would say that there's our potential, you know. Uh, I think this is, you know, Swami used to always say that they didn't come, the great ones, to show us how great they are, but our potential for each one of us, how great each one of us could be. And so, in a sense, he's demonstrating that high potential. I remember a story from a little more humorously from the early days. Yeah. There was this idea that, you know, we need to be really impersonal, yeah. not refer to the I and not get all caught yeah. up. And so there was some would refer to themselves as this unit of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I recognize the sentiment that that was true, but I don't recognize that particular expression. Yeah, but I said, don't doubt it. I don't doubt this it. unit of consciousness wants this. This unit of... So sometimes we can take it a little far. Yeah, can you imagine somebody walking about uh, expressing themselves like that? I, I don't think it must have lasted too long. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, if you go about like that, you're going to become the butt of jokes pretty quickly. <laughs> but that's, the, I mean, it's a hard balance, isn't it, to say God is the doer, yeah. yet, I mean, we have to take ownership of whatever is being expressed. Yeah, we have, you know, until we reach that state of consciousness, we have to, we have to take responsibility and eventually merge ourselves into that becomes a reality for us. That's the spiritual path. Would you like to read the next paragraph? Okay, now we stopped here. Um, I deemed myself. Yes. I deem myself empowered by the blessings of the saint and agreed to write the book. Feeling reluctantly that the parting hour had arrived, I rose from my leafy seat. Do you know Lahiri? The master inquired. You know Lahiri, the master inquired. He is a great soul, isn't he? Tell him of our meeting. He then gave me a message for Lahiri Mahashai. And a little bit later, of course, he explains what that message was. But uh, uh, we learn, actually, a little bit later that Sri Teshwar didn't recognize to whom he was speaking, yeah. you know, that he didn't realize this was Babaji he was speaking. And so he, he asked him, do you know Lahiri? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that great man, you know, and, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, he did because he was his guru. And then he gives him a message, which he then carries forward, which, of course, that message we're going to learn real quickly here, what that message was. So. It's in fact right before, and we had a fun time talking about it because Sri Yukteswarji says, I saw that he resembled Lahiri Mahashaya in features. Ah, yes, yes. But then he says, Babaji possesses a power by which he can prevent any specific thought from arising in a person's yes, mind. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then, uh, so it, it never occurred to him. And of course, that was by design. Yeah, then he says, evidently the great guru wished me to be perfectly natural in his presence. Yeah. So that was a lovely, very sweet yeah, and you can imagine, I mean, imagine our own lives. If, if we meet, Babaji comes in, and we know it's Babaji, uh, I suspect we might be tongue-tied, <laughs> or, or perhaps a little bit, what do I do, what do I say, other than we maybe bow at his feet, but then what would we say? So in a sense, it's a blessing in a sense, he just becomes natural, and we say, oh, here's a, here's a great soul, a great saint, 
and maybe then we can actually uh, not be so self-conscious to communicate. In the next um, story, yeah. we see just that, don't we? Like Sri Yukteswarji, now that he knows oh. it's Babaji, he gets a little restless and yeah. he loses that relationship. <laughs> okay, let's, let's not spoil it for them before. Would you continue or should I? Okay, no. okay I'll, I'll continue. <clears throat> After I had bowed humbly in farewell, the saint smiled benignly. When your book is finished, I shall pay you a visit, he promised. Goodbye for the present. And the Sri Yukteswar goes on. I left Allahabad the following day and then trained for Benares. Reaching my guru's home, I poured out the story of the wonderful saint at the Kumbh Mela. <laughs> oh, didn't you recognize him? Lahiri Mahasaya's eyes were dancing with laughter. I see you couldn't, for he prevented you. He is my own incomparable guru, the celestial Babaji. And here he is. And so Sri Teshwar uh, went back to his guru's home and he began to relate all of this and what had happened to him in, in, uh, at the Kumbh Mela. And the highlight of it, of course, was his meeting with Babaji. And then, of course, he begins to deliver also. He's going to deliver that message. So Very soon. You can, you can take it. Babaji, I repeated, awestruck. The yogi Christ Babaji? The invisible, visible savior, Babaji. I love these terms. The invisible, <laughs> visible savior, Babaji. Oh, I could, oh, if I could just recall the past and be once more wow. in his presence to show my devotion at his lotus feet. Never mind, Lahiri Mahashaya said consolingly, he has promised to see you again. Yeah. Larry Masha, I knew already what Babaji, his yeah. perfect attunement yep. with his guru was yep. to know his guru's thoughts as well. Yep. Yep. Guru Dev, the divine master, asked me to give you a message. Tell Lahiri, he said, that the stored up power for this life now runs low. It is nearly finished. Yes. Now the... I sort of immediately noticed that this next sentence that follows that, he says, at my utterance of these enigmatic words, and then he goes on, I don't think they were too enigmatic, you know, yeah. and they were pretty clear, you know, to me that if somebody was to tell you, the stored up power of your life is now run low, sure, Joe. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is, is nearly <laughs> finished. Well, I, don't, I think you got the message pretty clearly at that, but, but nevertheless, it wasn't direct. So it was enigmatic. Too. But it's possible, just like maybe Babaji gave him the message, but didn't quite allow him to, because even Sri Yukteswar would, it would, have, it would affect Sri Yukteswar yeah. right there to know that his that's guru true. is passing. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe just as he, as he didn't allow him to recognize Babaji, he didn't allow him to know what that message really meant. Of yeah. course, it's obvious to Lemihiri Mahashai, but maybe, yeah, maybe he veiled it a little it, bit. He clouded it a little for Sri Yukteswar's benefit, because imagine the disciple hearing that about his guru. I mean, how is he going to feel? And having to deliver it to his guru. And having to be the one to deliver it. That's true. That would be, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. At my utterance of these enigmatic words, Lahiri Mahashaya's figure trembled as though touched by a lightning current. In an instant, everything about him fell silent. His smiling countenance turned incredibly stern. Like a wooden statue, somber and immovable in its seat, his body became colorless. I was alarmed and bewildered. Never in my life had I seen his joyous soul, this joyous soul, manifest such awful gravity. The other disciples present stare, stared apprehensively. Three hours passed in utter silence. Then Lahiri Mahashaya resumed his natural, cheerful demeanor and spoke affectionately to each of the chelas. Everyone sighed in relief. I realized by my master's reaction that Babaji's message had been an unmistakable signal by which Lahiri Mahashaya understood that his body would soon be untenanted. 
I love that word. Yeah, I, I, was, I noted that too. <laughs> His awesome silence proved that my guru had instantly controlled his being, cut his last cord of attachment to the material world, and fled to his ever-living identity in spirit. Babaji's remark had been his way of saying, I shall be with you. I shall ever be with you. It's, that's, very, uh, that's very moving. You imagine somebody is giving you this message that your body is about to be untenanted. And uh, it takes a moment. You just have you collect because even a great master like uh, Lahiri Mahashaya is very much, he's not, he's in the world, he's not of the world, but he's in the world. He's got the concerns of many, many disciples. He's got various responsibilities on the outward plane. He's not attached to them, but it just there's it just reminds us that it takes a moment. Okay, and he just controls himself, controls his life force, comes into the steadiness and makes that connection with the divine and he's ready. I love that line though. Cut his last cord of attachment to the material world. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing that the preparation he did for, Mm -hmm. okay, my guru has Mm -hmm. now said, Mm -hmm. I'm about to leave this body. Let me just go in and check. Yeah. What have I, you know, have I created yeah. any unnecessary stuff? Have I done something yeah. that yeah. was a interesting yeah. kind of shift for him to do that? Well, it reminds me of what is said about when Christ was crucified. He says he was crucified, but he, he says, don't, uh, when one of his disciples, uh, Mary, comes in and sees him after he had risen, he says, don't touch me. Mm. Don't, you know, she wanted to touch and touch his feet. He says, don't touch me. I have not yet fully risen, you know, mm. and to our words to that effect. And the, the meaning, the interpretation of that was he's still, when a, when a master, he's got these things that he's working in, and he just takes a little time to just totally clean, this, erase the slate clean. And uh, in the same thing, it, it, uh, it took him a little while, and then he was perfectly purified. And so it's the same thing here, I, I mean, something very similar. You know, it reminds me also of Swamiji always telling us every night to cut those cords, every night before going to bed to clean the slate, kind of in preparation for the moment when it comes. That's right. That's right. Because you don't know, are you going to wake up in the same body? (laughs) And uh, you just never know. So always, you know, throw those attachments into the fire and, you know, be as free as possible. Yeah. Humorous story again of, do you know the lady who was practicing that and then her house caught on fire? <laughs> and Swamiji says, I didn't ask you to throw the no, no, house yeah, in the fire. Yeah, don't throw, throw the your house. attachment. Just the attachment into the fire. <laughs> so don't start throwing people into that fire. <laughs> Our thoughts have power. <laughs> well, I mean... You have to say that lady was strong then in the way that she did that practice. (laughs) Though Babaji and Lahiri Mahashaya were omniscient and had no need of communicating with each other through me or any other intermediary, the great ones often condescend to play a part in the human drama. Occasionally they transmit their prophecies through messengers in an ordinary way that the final fulfillment of their words may infuse greater divine faith in a wide circle of men who later learn the story. This is one of the great mysteries. Is you, you could, a great one comes down and you know, Master, all of them, on one hand, they know their destiny, they know their fate, they know what is, is to come, but yet they have this outer role to play and you could say there would be no story if they just jumped and, and didn't play it out. So in a sense, you, they have to play this outer role. And, but yet, even while well, perhaps even knowing how it's going to end and everything, and it's, it's, I find that very mysterious. Yeah. Because this is for all the great avatar, avatars that come. They have that dual element to them. They have to bring their mind down, like Master would say, when I come into, when I incarnate, it's like putting on a 
heavy overcoat on a hot day. It's a little, a little itchy and difficult and uncomfortable, but I get used to it. And, <laughs> and so to be able to go in the sense of being in the world but not of it, is, uh, it's a mark of what the avatars do. But do you think that they have to veil their consciousness a little? Because it would be hard to like pretend all the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, you would, you would have to veil it a little bit. And then maybe that is why that veiling that takes place, that's why when you're reminded it's time to go, you have to remove those veils. Oops, mm -hmm. yep, this is a veil I'm playing with. And you let that veil go, take it off. And so maybe that's part of the reason. You have to, you know, to be in the world and really play the part well, you want to be fully engaged, at least psychically. And then, but you know, it's not really what you're doing. Like an actor, maybe I wonder if anybody is actor and you play on the stage, you walk off the stage, you carry, maybe you still carry a little bit of that character with you for a little time, take the makeup off, the clothes off, and then, oh yes, that's not who I was. There's a well-known actor by the name of Heath Ledger, yeah. who passed away, I don't know, some years ago. And the last role he played was of, you know, of Joker, the nemesis of Batman. Oh, gosh, yeah. But that role was so just dark. Yeah, yeah. That very soon after he, he died, I think, by an overdose of suicide. Oh, my God. But so you can see what happens when you fully identify with the role that we play. Then it's yeah. very hard to make that well, separation. Yeah, I guess that would be coming totally immersed in your character. It starts to, you forget forget where the boundaries are. We're pretty immersed in our character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite convinced, I'm sure, Joe. <laughs> I soon left Benares and set to work in Serampur on the scriptural writings request by, requested by Babaji. Sri Yukteswar continued, no sooner had I begun my task that I was able to compose a poem dedicated to the deathless guru. The melodious lines flowed effortlessly from my pen, and though never before had I attempted sunset poetry. In the quiet of night, I busy myself over a comparison of the Bible and the scriptures of Sanatan Dharma. Quoting the words of the blessed Lord Jesus, I showed that his teachings were in essence one of the revelations of the Vedas. To my relief, my book was finished in a short time. I realized that this speedy blessing was due to the grace of my Param Guru Maharaj. The chapters first appeared in the Sadhu Sambandh journal. Later, they were privately printed as a book by one of my Kidapur disciples. Now, he mentions here this poem. Have you ever heard of this poem? No. No, it's in, obviously it was in Sanskrit, so it'd be interesting again, you know, to find some of these uh, archival things. and Maybe through the Karar Ashram or I wonder the if anyone out there that knows how to perhaps track these down. It would be lovely to have. It would be a wonderful service. But he says he finished that book quite in quickly. He doesn't say exactly how quickly that is, but it certainly couldn't have been more than a month or two, maybe, that's what I think. And, uh, but if you've read that book, you realize that's no mean feat. <laughs> I mean, that's an extremely difficult book to understand easily. And, uh, but, you know, he, he made those comparisons. And, and, uh, but of course, he was, a, he was a genius in his way. So for him, it was comparatively easy, I guess. But it's lovely that they, they're always referring it back to the Guru's grace. Yes, that's right. You know, it's like, oh, I, I figured it out very easily. I'm just mm -hmm. that smart. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the morning after I had concluded my literary efforts, Master continued, I went to the Rai Ghat here to bathe in the Ganges. The Ghat was deserted, I stood still for a while, enjoying the sunny peace. After a dip in the sparkling waters, I started for home. The only sound in the silence was that of my Ganges-drenched cloth, swish-swashing with every step. As I passed beyond the sight of the large banyan tree near the river bank, 
A strong impulse urged me to look back. There, under the shade of the banyan, and surrounded by a few disciples, was the great Babaji. Greetings, Swamiji, the beautiful voice of the master rang out to assure me I was not dreaming. I see you have successfully completed your book. As I promised, I am here to thank you. With a fast-beating heart, I prostrated myself at his feet. Param Guruji, I said imploringly, will you and your chelas not honor my nearby home with your presence? The Supreme Guru smiled, smilingly declined. No child, he said, we are people who like the shelter of trees. This spot is quite comfortable. Please tarry a while, Master, I gazed entreatingly at him. I shall be back at once with some special sweetmeats. When I returned in a few minutes with a dish of delicacies, lo, the lordly banyan no longer sheltered the celestial troop. I searched all around the ghat, but in my heart I knew the little band had already fled on etheric wings. Yes, you can still go, and I hope everybody has someday an opportunity to go to that ghat, and you can still see that banyan tree is still there, and you can imagine, you know, that uh, little band of disciples with Babaji sitting there, and uh, Swami Sri Teshwar coming and swish-washing, <laughs> kind of like that swish-washing, very, you know, uh, graphic image, as he passed by, and seen there, and... You know, my yeah, Babaji here, who seems to be very young, he has a very young appearance, and he's always he refers to uh, 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 as my child. My <laughs> child, right? My child. He refers to him, and and Deshwar, and of course, he wasn't probably as old as we see him here on the on the altar, but still, he was obviously older than. He than refers him. previously. I think he says I was almost twice his age, so he was around fifty at that time. Yeah. So obviously. He, he, my child, <laughs> and uh, uh, so Babaji was there. And he, Sri Teshwar, of course, he doesn't really ask, he, he asks him to stay there and he runs off, but he really doesn't allow Babaji any time to, it seemingly, to reply and to, and to say, well, hold on, and, you know, wait. I mean, he just had it in his mind that he wanted to, you know, go get those sweets and serve them to Babaji. There's just such a contrast here from the previous meeting. Mm -hmm. In the previous meeting, you know, Sri Yukteswarji, because he didn't know it was Babaji, he was relaxed, he was listening to everything Babaji said very attentively. Here, even though Babaji says, no child, we are people of the, you know, we are people who like the shelter of trees, this spot is quite comfortable. But he doesn't, doesn't his restlessness, oh, it's Babaji, it's Babaji, you know, so that's how we would be. Oh, Master has come, and we'd not, we wouldn't get still, we'd right. get restless. Right, and that's probably again going back to why we said he veiled his appearance to him on the first time. Otherwise, he would have gotten that same restlessness then. Yeah. So he wasn't, he wasn't receptive. When that restlessness comes, it clouds us, mm. and we, we're not receptive to what they have to say. So. We kind of, in that moment, you can see, he was more interested in what he wanted yeah. and a lot less yeah. interested in he what Babaji he, was saying to he him. He wasn't listening. <laughs> but such a, I mean, just such an interesting moment yeah. for, yeah. A, a, such a lesson for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And more so, big, not, just, not just for the saints, but sometimes when we're with people. Mm-hmm. We're having conversations with them. And we're just waiting for our turn to actually speak, well, and you're just like, yeah, I mean, you know, you and your, I know, I have, I know what I want to say in my mind. I'm just formulating my responses. I have very little interest in what you, and we don't listen uh, either, do we? Yeah, you, you know, this is what was I. We were having this discussion with some people this last week, and if you want to be a good conversationalist, learn to listen. Mm-hmm. And not what you have to say, because you know the other person is just waiting for their opportunity to, to tell you what they want to say. So this is a perfect example of mental restlessness. But then I think we lose out so much of <clears throat> perhaps even the messages Babaji is giving through that person or the yeah. masters. Are, yeah. And 
I think we miss out of so much on life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, you know, Master really talked about how everybody in our lives mm -hmm. are there for a very specific reason. If we were to really be open to every person in our life and say, I'm going to truly listen to why you're in my life, both right. vibrationally and to the words you're yeah. speaking. Well, that's a nice way of saying that. And of course, true, it's true that we often speak of meditation itself as listening, mm -hmm. learning to listen, not necessarily to, you know, to sounds as sometimes we talk about listening to the sounds, but listening intuitively to what is trying to, as Swami would say, what's trying to happen here mm -hmm. and into a situation What's really going on below the surface of the uh, outward words or the actions? And I think people, you know, it, you probably notice when you have a conversation, another person is really trying to say something to you, but what their words are saying are not really communicating that. It's vibration underneath or the subtleties that are below it. And if you have, uh, it's an on the intuitive level, you might say. Mm -hmm. If you have that intuitive sensitivity, you can understand what somebody's trying to say. Obviously, Sri Teshwar didn't work on that level here when <laughs> he ran off to get the sweets. But it was, I think this is a wonderful story because Sri Teshwar was obvious by this point in his life, he was a, he was a great master already. Mm -hmm. But even as a great master in comparison to Babaji and Asura, he was, still had a certain childlike. Uh, uh, quality and that, that's reflected in his reaction when he meets ba Babaji again the next time. Would you like to start on the next page? Okay. <clears throat> Sri Yukteswar is saying, speaks here, I was deeply hurt. <laughs> now isn't that interesting? Here's a great master, he says, I was deeply hurt. Even if we meet again, I would not care to talk to him, I assured myself. <laughs> he was unkind to leave me so suddenly. This was a wrath of love, of course, and nothing more. A few months later, I visited Lahiri Masha in Benares. As I entered his little parlor, my guru smiled in greeting. Welcome, Yukteswar, he said. Did you just meet Babaji at the threshold of my room? Why, no, I answered in surprise. Come here. Lahiri Mahashai touched me gently on the forehead. At once I beheld near the door the form of Babaji, blooming like a perfect lotus. I thought that was so sweet, you know, in the sense that Sri Yukteswar, we have this mental image, or perhaps I should say, at least I do, this this impersonal yogi, you know, That's true. <laughs> on an avatar. And I think most everybody has that impression a bit. You see it, you know, when you see his visage and his photograph. But here he was being as this this, uh, this <laughs> wrath of love, you could say. And, and, and it's, I thought it was such a sweet, uh, sweet little paragraph in there to show that he had that he had feelings too and he was he was uh, hurt that Babaji abandoned him so to speak it was sweet but what's also interesting Jaya to me is this ability to be able to see in this case Babaji but essentially what we're saying to be able to see behind you know creation to be able to see truth mm -hmm. to be able to see what is and he had the ability, then he lost it. And Lahiri Mahasaya had to kind of give it back to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, just how our restlessness yeah. just takes it away from us. Yeah, that's true. And what goes to show you the necessity also of the Guru in our life mm -hmm. to be able to give us that little bit of touch to elevate our consciousness to see something is there, but we just don't see it. And there's so much in life that is like that, that is, if we could only see, then we would view this world in a very different way. <laughs> then he goes on, he says here, I remembered my old hurt <laughs> and did not bow. <laughs> did not bow. Lahiri Mahasaya looked at me in astonishment. Can you imagine your guru 
looking at you because you're not bowing at his guru. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been quite the scene going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> the divine guru gazed at me with fathomless eyes. You are annoyed with me. Yeah, he didn't take it. You know, I think I could see him doing that in a little bit of a, you know, inwardly smiling and maybe chuckling even a little bit. <laughs> so why shouldn't I be? I answered. Out of the air you came with your magic group and into the thin air you vanished. I told you I would see you, but didn't say how long I would remain. Babaji laughed softly. You were full of excitement. I assure you that I was fairly extinguished in the ether by the gust of your restlessness. And that's, that, I think, holds a deep message for all of us. Our gust of restlessness, what is it blowing away that we could see if it wasn't there? And I think that's the whole, you could say, the, the process of meditation is getting to that point where that wind of restlessness is stopped. And then we, once it stopped, the waves, of course, that it rustles up, they calm down, and we can then begin to see at that point. So it's a... I was instantly satisfied by this unflattering explanation. I knelt at his feet, and the Supreme Guru patted me kindly on the shoulder. Child, you must meditate more. <laughs> Your gaze is not yet fathomless, faultless, sorry. You could not see me hiding behind the sunlight. With these words, in the voice of a celestial flute, Babaji disappeared into the hidden radiance. Hmm. Hiding behind the sunlight. Now that's an interesting concept, hiding behind the sunlight. Child, you must meditate more. <laughs> Whatever Sri Yukteswarji was doing, it wasn't enough. So yeah. I guess we're, no wonder we're not seeing Babaji every day, child. Well, it, it kind of gives a clue, I would say. And uh, yeah, but, if, but I think also there's something to take heart from that. Because I think we all know that we're restless. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just try to meditate for a period of time. And I think it makes it very self-evident that we're restless. But it gives us a clue and, and some hope that what would I be able to see or penetrate or experience if I could just get this restlessness to slow down mm. or what to speak of stopping. That uh, I think it's very sort of calls us and inspires us to say, well, if I did, maybe Babaji's right there. Who knows? Babaji might be with us all the time. Who knows? Would you like to continue? Okay. That was one of my last visits to Benares to see my guru, Sri Yukteswar concluded. Even as Babaji had foretold at the Kumbh Mela, the householder incarnation of Lahiri Mahashai was drawing to a close. During the summer of 1895, his stalwart body developed a small boil on the back. He protested against Lansing. He was working out in his own flesh the evil karma of some of his disciples. Finally, a few chelas became very insistent. The master replied cryptically, The body has to find a cause to go. I will be agreeable to whatever you want to do. A short time later, the incomparable guru gave up his body in Benares. No longer need I seek him out in his little parlor, I find every day of my life blessed by his omnipresence guidance. Now that was, that was interesting. He, he, he developed a boil. Now boils aren't usually considered life-threatening. <laughs> no. And, uh, but yet, it's, he says, the, the body uh, has to find Cause. some excuse in order for you know, the soul to leave uh, that body. And, uh, and I, I find it interesting too, he says, even as Babaji had foretold that the Kumbh Miller, the householder incarnation of Lahiri Mahashai was drawing to a close. He didn't say the life, Lahiri Mahashai's life was drawing to a close. It was just that incarnation. Mm -hmm. 
the implication there being there are other incarnations, which of course we in the past, but it often has made me think, as we talk about all the masters, they come, they appear again and again, and probably the same thing is these masters, Babaji, seen as the one who is in charge for the, as he says elsewhere, the evolu spiritual evolution in this age, he uses emissaries to help transmit the, these vibrations out into the daily, into society as a whole. And so I suspect, again, Lahiri Mahashai comes again. Shri, maybe not Sri Yukteswar, because he says in a later chapter that it's his, his role is finished. But Lahiri, Master, these great ones, they come in again and again to help carry out the mission that uh, Babaji has in this age. There's a very interesting, I mean, it's a little further down, but a build up on what you're saying, but something a little hard for me to tune into because it says, he says, Lahiri Mahashaya to one of his disciples, my householder work in the world is done, but I do not leave the earth entirely. Henceforth, I shall spend some time with Babaji in the Himalayas. Yeah. So he left that body, but he didn't merge back. No. He goes to the, I mean, what, his astral body yeah, that, goes that, to that, the... <laughs> well, you see, yeah, it's, it's, it is always a little mysterious about those disciples of Babaji that travel with them is yeah. because they're in okay. something of an ethereal body. Not quite here and not, not quite, quite here, not quite there. And they travel, you know, uh, from place to place. And so I seem to imply to me that Lahiri joined that troop, you might say, that went with them, perhaps in the astral body form. Yeah, very, very interesting, because he yeah. says, I'm I shall spend some time with Babaji in the Himalayas and with Babaji in the cosmos. Yeah. It's like he, ha he splits himself somehow yeah. and he's like yeah. working on two different levels now. When you come to that level, I guess we're going to have to be able to achieve that ourselves to really understand. What Do that let means. me know, Jaya. <laughs> Do let me know. Yeah. You're probably going to get there before. But, it, it, I, but again, I think this is the beauty of the book. It opens up vistas of possibilities that, uh, my goodness, what was he speaking of here? But it just gives a glimpse and a hint that just excites one's imagination of what the possibilities are. And I think it just uplifts just in that contemplation of what might be, could be, and are, but we just don't understand it yet. I love this little paragraph here as well when Sri Yukteswar ends by saying, No longer need I seek him out in his little parlor. I find every day of my life blessed by his omnipresent guidance. Yeah, yeah. Now we've been fortunate to have witnessed the Samadhi, Mahasamadhi, the Moksha, the leaving of the body of Swamiji. Mm -hmm. We've not had it with Master, we've of course not had it. And I think all of us feel that to a certain degree, don't mm -hmm. we? That now we don't have to seek Swamiji out in the physical body because mm -hmm. somehow he feels closer, he feels more accessible, he feels more easily, communicably available to us. That's very true. I, I noticed that myself after Swamiji passed, that because when Swamiji was in the body, he, I had him physically placed somewhere. Yeah. You know, he was there, he was doing this, he was in this, engaged in this activity or that activity, which when I, retro, in retrospect, it limits that. And you, can, you think in terms of limitation of the body, but then when a person leaves the body, you realize that taking that perspective away opens up a perspective that's much broader for that. And slowly you begin to absorb that larger sense of who somebody, you know, that, that spirit that was there. And they're not limited by the, the physical anymore. I think Swamiji would say sometimes he had a hard time with Master that way. He'd say, I think he's in the next room but he's also everywhere and you yes, couldn't quite, yes, yes. where do I, you know, who should I relate to? The man in the next room yeah. or to the consciousness that yeah. is omnipresent? Yes, that's exactly, I think he's expressing the same thing here with this, with that paragraph. Yeah. 
Well, we're almost at the end. I don't know if we should start the new, a new story because then we'd have to really go into it. Any last thoughts, Jaya, that you have from what we've just went through? A, a final word of well, I, what should we practice together this week, be aware of? Well, I think one of the obvious, obvious things here is that story of him, Babaji, hiding behind the sunlight and being fairly extinguished <laughs> by the restlessness of Swami Sri Yukteswar and uh, the element of being st stopping that vibrational uh, movement. And we can do that just as we were meditating last night where everybody was so very, very still. You know, obviously you start on one level, just being still in body, but that's only the beginning, of course, and you have to have the stillness of the feelings, stillness of the emotions, and stillness of the mind, and just calming that down. And the realization that if we, if we can learn to still those waves, Babaji's, that's where he resides. Mm. And I, in the sense, just as Lahiri Mahashai was with Sri Yukteswar all the time, once he passed out of the body, it was Lady Masha, of course, or Sri Teshwar, he had reached that ability because he, he's making a statement that when he left, he didn't have that consciousness quite to that degree. Mm. But by the time he's relating this story to a master, he says, now he's with me at all times. He's yeah. all, and it's the same thing with us in the sense all the great ones, they've gone, they can be with us right now, if, but the responsibility is in our hands to make that a reality. And so I think, and I also was touched by just the humanity of Sri Yukteswar in this, and that it, it, just a reminder, you know, that, and of course he's maybe telling a story on himself and so <laughs> making him very human in that way, but nevertheless, it was uh, the sense of humanity expressed by Swami Sri Yukteswar, which made me feel close to him. So. And you, yeah, final thoughts? No, just the same, just that restlessness. And what Babaji says, child, you must meditate, meditate more. <laughs> so I yeah. guess that can be a, yeah. a, at least this coming week, making that little bit of a, I don't know, effort yeah. to whatever we're doing every day. Just let's do it a little bit more. Not restlessly more, but mm -hmm. as much as we can get still. Uh, tomorrow we are not going to have any programs online. We are blessed, in fact. We're going to have a Kriya initiation that is only for those people who have um, are 